Well, hello, White Sox fans. Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Life. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? I am, uh, you know, I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to tonight's show, man. Uh, you know, after a long weekend down at the Donald D. Stevens Convention Center, uh, you know, we, we put in some uh, some long hours over there trying to hustle out those uh, RVs for the uh, the upcoming season here. I'm a little tired, but, uh, you know, when I got the news this morning that uh, maybe the plans to last week were, you know, to uh, open up uh, a baseball card box. And uh, you told me that, you know, you were, you were going to get that done this week. I was kind of thrilled. We have some Elvis Andrews news. We have spring training baseball to talk about. Everything in the world is, you know, kind of coming together here, it seems. How's everything with you, man? Pretty good, you know. Had a busy weekend, but it was fun. Um, I don't know. About it. Pretty boring, really. Lots of uh, of running around and shows and whatnot, but it was good, you know. So, yeah. Can't complain too much. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, uh, big news yesterday was that uh, Elvis Andrus is re-signed by the White Sox for one year, $3 million. So um, a lot of people are pretty thrilled about it. Um, I kind of have mixed feelings about it, but uh, let me hear your take. What, where, where are you at on the uh, signing of the Elvis Andrus? Uh, well, you know, I guess the long and short of it on my take is, is, and we've talked about this a little bit on this show in the past, you know, when people were kind of pining for him, you know, this pretty much this whole off season, it seemed to be, uh, you know, a ticket or a, a, a hot topic ticket. Um, you know, he had the best two months or month and a half of his career, probably. You know, for at least a month and a half stretch anyway, if he were to take any given month and a half of his career, I would say that first month and a half that he was here or the first month or so that he was here was probably the best month of his career at the dish. And, you know, I'm happy that he was able to come in here and do some things. But that month seemed to be the outlier for him. And, you know, with a quick look at, just 2022 alone on baseball reference. Uh, if you were to take his first half and second half splits, and I know that's not you know exactly the number we're looking for. I think the second half he had like 62 or 63 games or something in the second, 64 games, whatever it was. And the first 42 or 43 of those were with the White Sox. His numbers in that second half of the season were ridiculously better than any other given point of the season. And then we saw him tail off a little bit towards the end there, too. Like, the first month, fantastic. Then he had, like, a, I don't know, a week and a half, two-week stretch where he kind of came back down to normal Elvis Andrews numbers. And then there was maybe a last few games of the season there where he, he picked it up again a little bit. So, I don't know, as a depth signing... I I don't see it as a bad thing. Uh, I just don't hope that we're hanging our hat on this guy being the starting second baseman 
for the entire season. Uh, you know, maybe he could start the season out there if they feel like, you know, Romy isn't ready or Lenine isn't ready. But, you know, three-way competition between those guys for starting second baseman, probably not a bad idea. What do you think? Yeah. Um, if you heard Rick Hahn's comments um, when he was talking about the second base job, um, he had mentioned that Romy was having a really good, you know, all reports coming back on Romy were excellent and that uh, the coaches really liked his work ethic, which, you know, I've talked about before on here is that that guy, you know, workout warrior and uh, puts in the work. And, you know, his season last year, you know, you got um, over the span of the season last year, you had um, uh, you had COVID, you had uh, an infected tooth and you had uh, appendicitis all in one year. And when he came up to the Sox, you know, you're looking at, you know, kind of a, a you know, shadow of his former self last year uh, i was quite a bit uh he looked quite a bit thinner and uh he had he, he did not have fun last year you know and no. so he shows up to um you know i'm sure that you saw the uh i, I think we've talked about it before the uh the tote you know over at uh tosar's house in miami and he's over there and he shows up to spring training the other day and the dude's jacked again you know, yeah. he's, he's doesn't yeah. look, he doesn't look weak. Doesn't look tired. Um, now, and, he, in that little video clip of him and, uh, you know, a couple other guys in Mike Tosar's backyard, they looked like they were having fun. I mean, they were getting that work in and they were doing some things, but they looked like they were having fun. They were smiling. They were joking, clowning, and they were stroking the ball. They, they were, they were getting, they were putting some good wood Man, ah, oof. I don't know my, uh, my my references here aren't sounding real good. Stroking and good wood. Oh, anywho, <laughs> yeah, they were they were putting some good swings on the ball. Uh, you know, the sound coming off the bat in that cage was pretty nice. They just looked happy. Yep, and in like you said, in really good shape. Let me ask you this: Did we talk about this? I don't remember if we talked about this or not when we. You know, we kind of talked about that video clip from Tosar's backyard. But this guy is making some money, right? Mike Tosar. I mean, he's been part of some major league organizations for a little bit of a while, you know, for a little while now. Uh, why did his backyard look like it could have been in like Oak Lawn? Well, you, you know, know I mean, the thing that the story goes is that he did have a um, a facility you know, uh, like a, a warehouse facility where he had a bunch of stuff set up, but, uh, he closed it because he's, you know, working with the white Sox, So he just took one of the cages and put it in his backyard. So, you know, okay. he's All down right. in Miami and, you know, I'm, you know, when, depending on location, you know, Miami can be expensive. So, I mean, you know, who knows and who knows if that's only a portion of his backyard, whatever, you know? Yeah. So. That, well, that, that, that maybe was like the dirty corner or something. I don't know, man. Like the landscapers hadn't been there in a while. Who knows? Dude? It's his, it's his know. dog run. No big deal. Uh, it, yeah. It, it, that's kind of the feeling I got, <laughs> dude. It was like, uh, I've seen, I've seen some batting cages on the Southwest side of Chicago. That was like in the dog round, you know, between the fence next door and the garage that 
well, very similar to what was going on there, man. Just saying. Sorry. Yeah. So anyway, um, sorry, Mike the, Tozar. I'm not talking crap, dude. Just, you know, I'm just talking smack if about you're listening, Mike Tozar's sure, house. Um, I'm sure Mike Tozar's paying attention to what we have to say over here, right? Well, just, I mean, really, we're just talking about his backyard and his landscaping. That's all. No, um, we're very happy with to have, to have him on board. By the way, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Han mentions, you know, Romy, and then he mentions that uh, Lenin Sosa, you know, is also going to be competing for the job. And then he kind of gives like this, uh, you know, kind of, you know, sort of backhanded thing to uh, Leori where he's like, and and Leori's there. And that's, yep. you know, that's pretty much all he says, you know, so. Yeah. And then, then you get the the comments from Pedro Grafal yesterday about Leori saying that, you know, more or less saying, hey, he's going to have to earn a job. So. The thrill is gone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, you know, even if you listen to uh, the uh, White Sox talk. Hey, Grimtall, thanks for the sub. Appreciate it. Um, even if you, uh, you know, listen to the uh, White Sox talk, you know, like the uh, the corporate uh, Comcast Sportsnet, um, NBC Sports Chicago, you know, they, they mentioned that, you know, and I've heard this, you know, of course, from some of the, uh, you know, Tony defenders and stuff like that, they say, oh, you don't know that. You don't know that. But on the corporate podcast, <laughs> they mentioned that uh, Tony went to bat for Larry and got him that contract last year. And to right. me, it kind of seems like, you know, they're saying that he's going to have to earn his spot. That guy, he better pull up, you know, better pull up and and play during spring training. Cause if he doesn't, it's not sounding good for him, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, you know, the, the remaining, however many dollars are on his 11 million be damned. You know, it's all we've been hearing the last few weeks is, and you know, now not only are we hearing it in interviews and, uh, you know, press releases and stuff of that nature, but we're also seeing commercials and Twitter ads and all, you know, the, the white Sox Twitter account, we're going to earn your trust back. We're going to, we've been hearing that over and over again. Well, that's a good way to start. It is. I'll tell you that right now. I, you know, and there are still some Leary stands out there. Why? I have no idea. Like, I mean, they obviously were turning off games just as often as we were last year and not really paying attention to what was happening because, you know, as much as Leary came through uh, during the rebuild years, since the window of competitiveness has opened up, not so much. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, well, 2020, I he, see... he put up some, you know, he put up a, a decent uh, WRC plus OPS plus in 2020. But you know that right. was in uh, that was by far. I, I'm pretty positive. I am not looking at the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that those numbers that he put up that year were his best career year by far. And it was in a 60 game season, and he wasn't overexposed. You know, because the team right. was mostly healthy. You know, for the most part, much better than 21 and 22 anyway. <laughs> so yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, there is that. Uh, Grimtall mentions uh, how much value is in eleven million in loss versus eleven million in poor production. You know, taking up a 
26 man roster spot. Now, hundred percent, you know. Yeah, um, we need to get a number cruncher in here. One of the one of those, uh, you know. And, and I'm not talking just data analysts. I'm talking, you know, let let's get an accountant in here to you know to put stats to dollars and <laughs> get that that ball rolling. But yeah, I mean, you want to earn our trust back? Stick to those guns. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the follow. Hey, Thinkins. Thanks for the follow. Appreciate it. Uh, it's the lost uh, tax deductible. Well, I mean, I don't know. I I mean, how about this? I don't know whether it's deductible um, because nobody ever is pretty much able to look in Major League Baseball's books. And, you yeah. know, from it not being an injury loss – I don't know. I that that's got to be like a some sort of weird. I'm sure it probably is tax deductible if you cut somebody that's owed a lot of money. I'm sure there's there's got to be some sort of yeah, silly some sort of write off. You know, yeah. I, I, and you you mentioned God. It's it's a sore subject for me as well too. But you know, the antitrust laws that keep the uh, the books on MLB closed to the general public. When and I know it's been it's been bandied about and thrown out there that, that you know Congress is going to take a look into this thing. How long do you think it, before that really becomes a serious issue? You it know, seems I like mean, it was a hot button point at one at one point, especially during the lockout last year, where you know there were some uh, high ranking government officials that were kind of pushing for that thing, and then it just seemed to go away again. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you did see it, especially with the uh, – you really saw it come to the forefront when people started talking about minor leaguer salaries. And right. that was when – you know, and, you know, and fortunately for those guys, you know, regardless of whether or not they, you know, you know, you got the unionization and all that stuff. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're still, you know, at least they got raises, at least they got uh, housing and stuff like that sorted out to a point. Um, now you hear stories about, you know, like maybe, you know, like that, the, that the lodging might be less than stellar, but I mean, at least it's not costing them anything, you know? Right. So, you know, it just, the only reason I even kind of hit that point again uh, is, well, one, you, you kind of brought it up a little bit, but the other thing is, is when we start to see owners like Cohen do his thing, and now, you know, we see ownership in, in Philly talking about they don't care what it costs. It's just going to spend. And you know, and I saw the comments in our chat. I saw the comments on Twitter. We, oh, Jerry's trying to figure out ways to, uh, you know, stifle this in the next CBA. Uh, it kind of, it, it really makes you wonder how these teams are able to do what they're doing right now. And there are more and more owners seem to get be getting on board with this, you know, spend, spend, spend to uh, appease a fan base, whether or not you win. Uh, where is that money coming from? And why is it now all of a sudden coming out, especially in a time where financial woes are kind of a big topic nationwide? Uh there it just feels like there's more money out there than we ever could have imagined. Now, I don't know if that's true, but there seems to be a trend here lately that uh tells us a little something. 
Well, yeah, and especially you know in the in the last uh, couple of weeks now, you're hearing things around uh, about the fact that the you know the RSNs, the regional sports networks, with a you know Bally going belly up, you know the Bally Sports Networks going up, is that right. there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be left without a bunch of the money that they make in their TV deals. So, you know, the question comes. Are all of I mean, you know, granted, a a lot of the teams that uh, not a lot, but uh, quite a few of the teams have, you know, garbage sized payrolls anyway that are getting hammered by this. But I mean, there are some fairly large clubs that are on this uh, Bally RSN and people are, you know, kind of scrambling trying to figure out, Okay, well, what happens if these networks do go belly up? And how is that going to, you know, how is anybody going to watch games if those things fold? Right. Right. You got to go out and cut a TV deal with a different media company. Uh, And then how long is that kind of thing going to take? And, you know, what type of broadcast can you expect from that? Because, you know, we saw the whole Apple thing kind of fall flat on its face for the better part of, you know, at least the, the first few games that they did now the streaming quality on it was fantastic the rest of it not so much the entertainment value was kind of uh iffy at best and if we're now looking at teams that are you know multiple teams that are part of a regional sports network that's going to fall on its face and and you know be gone you've got to find a new network to be yeah. able to broadcast on are those they going deals to be able take to scramble? months right and so, then are you going to be able to scramble to put a quality product out there yeah i mean <laughs> you're you know you're counting on this income coming in to pay salaries and you've got teams that have agreed to you know 30 40 million dollar a year contracts and now that money that was you know penciled in for the next several years for their TV deal. Now they don't have it. And uh, Grimtall, you know, mentions uh, Manfred's comments about fan access. Um, you know, that thing we yeah, talked uh, about last week. speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the uh, MLB and MILB package running up against each other, you know, this year, finally, that they're kind of pairing them together. Um, but the thing is, you still have blackouts. Right. So if you know, Manfred's talking about fan access and making sure that they can see the games and whatever. I don't know exactly how you do that, given the blackout rules that are self-imposed. You know, it's not like this is like some sort of a, a government thing where they're like, oh, in order to take care, take care of these fans, you know, we have to have blackout rules, you know? This has nothing to do with that. It's self-imposed yeah. by MLB. They're the ones who are doing this whole thing. So how does that affect that? You know, do they go back right. on the blackouts, you know, and put those those for free streaming, you know, when you know, and or we're do you talking give them about a break? A, we're talking about a sport that's been complaining for years or maybe not complaining, but recognizing that they need to gain younger viewership to, you know, continue their success 
And, you know, we talk about all these different rule changes to speed the game up and whatnot and, you know, keep people's interest. But if you (laughs) if you're not going to have a broadcast out there or not have a quality broadcast out there and then you're going to have a streaming service with blackouts. How do you expect to keep the interest of the fans, especially the younger generation who have got their faces buried in devices and you can't put a streaming quality, you can't put a quality streaming product out there and you're going to take away opportunities for them to view. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Sure. Doesn't. Uh, and it seems like one of those things where, you know, like, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this, you know, numerous times that MLB does whatever they can to shoot themselves in the foot. And oh, the blackout no rule is like top on that list, you know, of just counterproductive, you know, measures that, okay, yeah, it, it probably helps a little bit, but as far as discoverability for your, your overall sport, putting something on a pay only network is not exactly conducive to getting new fans in there and, blacking them out on the streaming app, which so many people are cutting the cord now, you know, it's like these, you know, if you're, if you're a baseball fan and you cut the cord, you have to go searching, you know, for a different streaming service to try and find your, your baseball content. And, you know, YouTube TV's pulling MLB network because they can't work out a deal for how much, you know, they're paying for MLB network. You know, it's just, there are just so many things made you know so many decisions made in an effort to just grab as much money as they can instead of trying to look to the future and try and solidify a younger fan base so the game continues to go so you can continue to make that money instead of worrying about everything within you know a one-year two-year window or you know however long your next contract is on your rsns you know it's just kind of a profitability has become to you know, and before I even go there, I realize that at the end of the day, it's a business. Yeah, baseball MLB is a business. It's there for those ownership groups for the teams to make money, and in order for them to pay for the product that's on the field and the experience at each one of these ballparks, they have to make their money. But at some point. When your profitability or your idea of profitability becomes more important than the product, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to. You're going to. You're, you're trying to grow your wallet exponentially while putting less quality of a product on the field, and people are going to search elsewhere for entertainment. Because that's what that's what sports is. It, it's just a form of entertainment. It's no different than the actors that you see in your movies. You know, people are going to find another way to get to make to entertain themselves. Yeah, that's that is the bottom line right there. Uh, Thankin says, "I feel like MLB just does the bare minimum in turn in terms of fan retention, and wonder why they're hemorrhaging fans." A hundred percent, they do whatever they can to try and limit the amount of people that can see their product, whether it be their social media posting rules, uh, whether it be marketing their players, whether it be the blackouts, you know, whether it be, you know, overpricing things, you know, 
uh, alienating people, you know, through, uh, you know, contract numbers, which, you know, market is what the market is. And I'm not going to begrudge anybody for getting their bag. But, you know, it's just, you know, there, there are just so many things that they do to limit potential audience that just does not make any sense to me. And, you know, I mean, I mean, who am I to say that they're doing it wrong because every year they're making more money on top of more money. But the thing is, is that also with inflation, you know, you can also have to think about that too, is that, you know, if they're making $11 billion, it's worth 7% less than it was the year before. So, I mean, are they really, you know, how much are they really making right. over, over last year? But I mean, even still, you know, it's, Again, we need Constant one of those bean count. counters in this chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we absolutely. get a full financial breakdown? But again, we can't we'll never get the 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 real and total gist of it without the books being opened up. But um did you, you happen know, to see that uh that link that I tweeted out? Um try I think it was uh Evan Drellick from uh The Athletic uh tweeted out. I think I retweeted it. It was uh can't I remember. haven't seen anything. If it was anything in the last four or five days, uh, actually, s- since we streamed last, I have been pretty much going, you know, 13, 14, 15 hours a day at work. And it's like you get done, you eat, you know, you uh, you wash your 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 golf balls, you wash your grapes and you go to bed. You know yeah, what I mean? pretty much. No, I get that. So, I'm, you know, I don't I don't miss working, you know, like I, I did uh, Lollapalooza a few times. And, you know, like you get down there at eight o'clock in the morning and you're there till, you know, one o'clock in the morning, you know, in the morning, drive home, you know, take, take a, a quick nap. shower, <laughs> go to sleep and then drive right back in the morning and start all over again. You know? Yeah. Luckily, uh, you know, we had some uh, hotel rooms down there. So the driving didn't really happen, which, you know, gives me about a, well, you know, let's just say on average half hour to 40 minutes each way. So then give me an hour, hour and a half extra of sleep. But still, man, I mean, it equates to nothing more than that. By the time you you kind of settle in, you know what I mean? You got to eat something. You got to clean yourself up. You got to unwind. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, there was. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to see much of anything. That's so, fair. You know, I'll I'll read. I'll uh, I'll throw I'll throw it at you. But um, it was um, more or less somebody's open books from a court case. Uh, it was I can't remember which team it was, uh, but it was a MLB team's open books from a court case, really? and yeah, and it, he he posted it because he's like, you never get to see this, so here it is. Take a look, and you know, look at it and see what's going on in here to see you know, and obviously you know it's dated because it's not from like last season or something. It's from you know several years ago, but the fact that you actually can see numbers you know it's like kind of one of those things where you kind of have to you look at the numbers and then you go back and do a google search on articles from that year you know maybe and look and see what the owners were saying you know and you know you no doubt it's a biblical losses blah 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 and you know now you look at the paperwork and you see okay all right so you you were lying okay perfect right 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 so <laughs> um so uh in other news uh so position players reported all right Yay! Well, redeemed hats off to you i'll be right back well figures you would do that hey you know what i think i may have a hat available 
It's not going to be a Sox hat or a minor league team, but uh, I think I got something Chicago-based over here. Give me one second. Oh, boy. Yeah, so, um, yeah so position oh, players yeah, showed up. Um, a lot of them were, you know, are, were already there anyway. You know, uh, they showed up early. Um, it seems like a lot of guys are chomping at the bit to, to get into camp and uh, get working. Let's see what we got here. What we got? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Wolves. Very nice. Hey, look at so that. Not, not socks related, but yeah, well, you know, Chicago related with that's the a different old hat. It fits. Wolves. Um, yeah. So a bunch of guys showed up for camp, and a bunch of guys showed up early, and were down there anyway. So you know, it wasn't like, uh, thank you, Dollsteak. Appreciate it. Um, so they they show up for their. You know, because they're they're everybody's chomping to get a bit. Everybody's looking to get the taste out of their mouth from last year. So a bunch of guys show up early, and um, you know, a couple of the uh, you know obligatory uh, best shape of their lives, you know, tweets about uh, Yohan Mankata and um, Yasmani Grandal, and you know, of course about uh, you know. Lucas Giolito, who shows up weighing 35 pounds less than spring training last year, which is mind blowing to me. Um, you know, like I know that he looked like he was he was thick last year, but you know, hearing <laughs> yeah. that he was what like 280 or 285 last year, insane. So, um, but no, uh, you know, on. we hear uh, things times. about Davis Martin, which was nice. Um, hear that his bicep issue from last year will be of no hindrance this year and that it you know basically he took his two weeks off after the season last year and that ended up taking care of his uh his sore bicep so nine runs what do you got what do you got keep going i'm seeing which one you're putting on now we got another one another one is it the yeah, same we got one? another hats off from pusher oh <laughs> I'm just gonna. Hi, I found a socks. <laughs> uh, Thankins asks if if we think that Geo can make a comeback this year, and I will say, um, after seeing his mechanics and seeing that he's not doing um, the uh, bow and arrow, you know, uh, just scap load, and he's actually doing a little bit of wind up and. Uh, the fact that he's lost a little bit of weight and he thinks that uh, that extra, you know, weight that he lost is going to help his endurance. I do think that he can make a comeback. But you you look at his second half stats from last year, not nearly as bad as the first half. So right. you know, if he was trending in the right direction and figuring out what was going on at the end there, you know, they always say that you make your adjustments in spring training, and then once the season starts. It's a heck of a lot harder to make a mechanics adjust, you know, a mechanical adjustment in season, and I can totally understand why because you're working on, you know, muscle memory. And um, there was a specific tweet that James Fegan put out last week, which was uh, Geo throwing his uh, his session and the difference in between two pitches in a row. And the first one, um, if you watch the mechanics. He went back to the 
you know, catcher mechanics of going straight back and holding his arm at a 90 degree angle, like he was, like he's been doing for, you know, two years and you see him kind of look, you know, not happy with himself because he did that. And then on the next pitch, he did his, uh, his longer motion, which he seems to figure it out. He seems to have figured out a way that he can make his delivery repeatable, even with the longer mechanics, because when he first showed up in Chicago, his mechanics were long and that was part of his inconsistent command. And right. he changed to the, you know, to the quick load pitch. And that's kind of what helped him kind of get back on track. And, um, I mean, how about this? Uh, I hope he can make a comeback for the team. Although I don't know if it's really going to matter for the team in the long run, if they don't win a world series this year, cause I don't think he's going to be here next year. Yeah, I, I kind of get the same feeling, and I'm glad you brought that up because my answer, uh, you pretty much hit on all the things that I was exactly thinking when it comes to Lucas. But the, the only thing I really want to add to that is that not only has he been working on those mechanics and doing those things and finding a way to make it repeatable, but you know it might sound cliche to say, but it is a contract here. And, you know, there's a little bit of truth to that kind of thing. And I won't say it's, it's you know, it's not the rule, but it happens quite often when guys are in a contract here that laser focus kicks in because they know their livelihood depends on it. And it, that's the long and short of it for me, honestly. You, you got a guy who wants to go out and earn the most money he can in this new upcoming contract. Well, there's some recency bias. We've seen it uh, in other contracts where guys, you know, maybe have not had the best careers, but when they have a career year and a contract year, they get paid the following season. And uh, I think Lucas probably wants to get paid, whether or not it's with the White Sox. So, yeah, I think he can have a bounce back season. I think he will probably, I, I think there's, I'll say this. There is little doubt in my mind that he will be much improved over last season. Will it be, you know, you know the Lucas Giolito we have hoped for? That one that was going to take the next step? Was Is he going to have a, a Dylan Cease, a 2022 Dylan Cease kind of year? I don't know. But I will say he's probably going to be much improved over last season. Yeah, well, I mean, he has to be motivated. Because, you know, his livelihood depends on it. You know, if he comes out and has a, another five ERA season this year, you know, nobody's going to be wanting to give him, you know, $25 million a year. If right. he can manage to come back and do well this season, he can say, yeah, I had a bad season last year, but I made the adjustments I needed to make and I'm back on track. Look at the numbers. You know, you can look at the two years before that. And then last year, yeah, it was a clunker, but then... This year, I'm back on track. Uh, Thankin says, uh, all that sounds promising. I hope he can get back to form. But even if he has a great year, you don't think he'll be back. I, You know, I mean, you've seen it time and time again with the White Sox. They don't pay for pitching. Here he is. You know? Um, Bozy long time no see, brother. Bozy, how you doing, buddy? Um, And, of course, learn the EFAS. Yeah. Oh, you know what? (laughs) It's funny that you bring up the EFAS because just recently – you know, with all this talk about uh, position players not being able to pitch in certain situations, I uh, 
I went down the rabbit hole and I was watching some uh, position player YouTube videos, the position players pitching YouTube videos and watching guys strike out on an EFIS is <laughs> extremely entertaining to me. So I'm not really, I wasn't, I'm not one of those fans that was totally against position players pitching. I know a lot of people are like, Oh, what took them so long? John boy, you know, put a thing together about that. And, you know, a lot of people jumped on that, but uh, I, for one, don't mind, you know, watching Albert Pujol serve up dingers. Hey, I'll you know what that. I mean? You know what? And and the interaction between, you know, when, when the interaction between two guys becomes uh, ill-fated, you know, kind of, you know, heavy hearted and, and, and angry, that's just ridiculous. Like if the game is so far out of hand that you got a position player already in there and you're going to get mad because, you know, your mean Mercedes hit a dinger off you and it's already out of, you know, the game's already out of hand or somebody else is going to get mad because, like, get over yourself, man. The game's over. Talking about my guy? Who cares if these guys... Oh, I love it, though, when I see... Oh, look, it, there he is. Doing talking the about old my guy. Turkey, turkey trot. <laughs> but, you know, I like the ones where, you know, you can get guys laughing at each other when, you know, they hit a bomb and it's like, oh, okay, I did that. Yep, sure did. Served it up. There you go. And they can joke and laugh and point at each other as they round the bases. That's fun. That's fun. You know, obviously you got to have the right kind of mentality for it. Yeah. But that's the kind of baseball that I don't mind seeing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you, you, I mean, like when we talked about last week in particular was the uh, Rizzo versus Freddie Freeman, you know, and watching Rizzo strike out Freddie Freeman and both of them walk away laughing. I mean, that's, I mean, when it's, when the game's that's already exactly a laugh, like, What's the big deal? You know, what's the harm? That's exactly my point. Watching two opposing players be able to go out there and have fun like, you know, they were back in Little League. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. They're human. It shows that human side of them. And I think we talked about that a little bit when we were talking about this last week. You know, I, I don't see a problem with it, but apparently a lot of fans think it's ridiculous. Whatever. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um yeah, so Bozy mentions like MLB the show when you used to be able to give your your cat pitcher, your creative pitcher, you know, be able to give them a uh, an ephus. I mean, I will never forget. Uh, was it uh, 2020 MLB the show with uh, uh, Ryan Firebend, Firebend uh, who had a like 60 mile an hour knuckleball, and then he threw like 97 with his fastball. It was like absolutely almost completely unhittable. No, no way. No shot. You could get that. Uh, Cheese Rock says, I want Colas to relive his uh, Cuban Otani days and take the mound with the socks up 10 at some point. I'd be in there for that. I mean, the guy still Um, throws 96. I'm here for it. Yeah, that would be fun. By the way, thanks for checking in, Cheese. Yeah. Haven't seen in a couple weeks, brother. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, man. I mean, I know, you know, he hasn't pitched in a long time, but, uh, Sure wouldn't mind seeing that. There was a lot of comparisons a few years ago when the Sox uh, scooped him up in the international market. So, yeah. Yeah, it was the Japanese minor leagues, though. So, I mean, how much do you really trust it, you know? Right. So. I, I know. I, I know. I'm not I'm not putting a whole lot into it, but I think it still would be a fun moment. Uh, 
Bozy asks, which is which is more fun, seeing a dinger hit off of a position player or Bartolo Colon socking taters? Well, it only happened once, so you'd have to say sock a tater. Um, but uh, was it only once? I almost positive the few. one time it happened in San Diego was like the only time. I'm almost okay. positive. All right. It was the first time for sure, but I think it was the only time. Um, All right, I you know, I'm so happy that there's universal DH. Um, yeah, that I'm okay with. I mean, it was fun to see pitchers hit a dinger every now and again. The, the, the reality is, is there was only a handful of pitchers in the last 40 years that you could tell me were decent hitters. Yep. Yeah, I mean, DeGrom is good. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple of guys that go out there and put in, you know, a serious solid effort and don't just wave at the ball. Um, but, I mean, we've seen so many guys that just go out there and just kind of half-hearted swing and don't seem to really care, which is fine because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't want Liam Hendricks running the bases, you know. Right. Um, I don't want to see any pitcher out there running the bases, and I certainly don't want to see them, you know. It's just not good for your team if one of them gets injured running the bases. There's, you know, the universal DH made all the sense in the world just because, A, they couldn't hit, B, they don't have time to practice it as much. So, like, what's, like, really, what was the point? You know, I mean, other than, you know, a couple of times a year when, you know, you get to laugh about a, a pitcher hitting a home run. I mean, that's pretty much about it. That's what you're looking at. Yep. Yeah. What no argument here. The unwritten rules and respect. Yeah. I mean, you know, if he's doing it respectfully, you know. Well, and I mean, that's the thing, you know. I think it really comes down to what mindset the player has because we've seen both sides of that. Hey, all right. Hey, Thinkins. I'd be thanking you Thanks for, for that. Sub. Appreciate it. Kershaw, OPS, yeah, no, Larry. I, oh, my gosh. That's, well, that's, just, that's just kicking a guy when he's down right there. If Clayton I, Kershaw's I love to... our chat for these things sometimes, though, man. I really do. Now, I don't know Clayton if that's... Clayton Kershaw's OPS is greater than Leary's OPS. I mean, sample size, you know, we can go uh, there, but that's a good poll, man. That's is, a is, good poll. I mean, you know, Grimtall follows the Dodgers. Um all right. Now, is that factual, or are you just are you just being a wise ass? I don't care if it is or not. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, he says he's a hundred percent joking. I, you know, I would I would not be surprised if at least like Jacob Degrom's OPS plus. Uh, granted, he didn't play very much last year, and there was already the universal DH. But I bet you one one year or so, I wouldn't be surprised if Degrom's OPS plus was better than Lavery's. Okay. All right. <laughs> Yeah, you might be able to cherry pick a, a moment in time. I who knows? Bozy says, "I bet Kershaw can also play six positions." You know, that's this is this has been my my main complaint about Leori is that yes, he can play a bunch of positions, but the thing is, is if you look at his numbers, he's a zero DRS for his well. career, and he's below average WRC plus for his career. So. You get plus on neither facet of baseball. And it's certainly not, you know, like you would think, you know, you got uh, defense, you've got offense, and then you've got the mental game. He struggles in all three. So, oh, given yeah, that guy. talking about a guy who's had an 11 year career <sighs> and he's less than half a war Ooh. player. Ladder, Joy- Ladder and Joyer brings up a good point. 
Cease has a career 875 OPS. That game in Cincinnati was magical. Couldn't get him out. That game. That That game. Yeah, that's that game. <laughs> that game. But hey, highest batting average on the team. You know? So you know, yeah, small sample size. Again, we play a small sample size game, but uh you know, I'm I haven't good. heard I'm from Mark Orr tonight, man. Donuts thirty three is not in the chat. Ugh. And you know what? He's usually the one pulling this stuff. So shout out to to Mark and shout out to our chat this evening for uh putting a smile on my face for sure. Thanks, guys. I I really love when when this happens. I do. Andrew Vaughn can play second base, and by that he can walk to where second base is supposed to play and stand there. Yeah, but I, well, you know, with the bigger bases now. Yeah, yeah. With, He's well, got that's a little true. less ground to cover. Yeah, uh, he does have less ground to cover. But I will say, you know, um, without the shift, you it, it's going to be a lot harder to just stick a guy out out in any infield position. Expect him to be able to uh, hold his own there. He, it's going to have to be a little bit more difficult, which actually, um, you know, as Elvis Andrus is, you know, going to uh, play his, what, second game at second base ever on opening day, assuming he is a starter like uh, Rick Hahn mentioned in his uh, little chat yesterday. Um, you know, now with the with the less of the shift, which, you know, I don't think is really, ne- you know, like range is not Elvis's problem. Uh, peanut butter and banana sandwiches is Elvis's problem, but um, <laughs> you know, I I don't see him really having a problem he covering second. Go- yeah, I don't see I don't see him having a problem covering second base, uh, you know, range wise or arm wise, uh, or even necessarily, um, you know, just like the the little things of uh, you know, fundamental footwork and things like that. I don't think that's really going to be a huge problem for him. Um, I do, however, worry about his offense. And as we've talked about before, you know, you're talking about yeah. like what a, I think it was like a sub 90 WRC plus for his career. Um, and his best couple years, it was like 2017 and 2018. Um, I think down in Texas, one oh four and then or one oh seven. Yeah, it was like uh, yeah, it was like one oh seven or one. 15 one year and then like 107 the next and then yeah something like that like a 105 last year and um and as you mentioned it was a lot you know a lot of it you know the numbers got a huge boost when he got here to chicago he did happen to mention that when he came here he ended up figuring out a problem and it's it's been a problem that's been plaguing him since he broke his you know since he fractured his elbow um and that that helped him. So I'm kind of interested to see whether or not, you know, I don't know how long he's going to be able to hold up. You know, when you get, okay. when you get up there in age, you know, yeah, I mean, he's 34. I know, I know about, I know about that kind of thing. Cause I'm old, you know? So, um, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. The ability to, you know, heal yourself up after something like that happens you know, like after, you know, just the, the rigors of playing every day, you get worn down, you know, and after, you know, exercising every day for, you know, three months, you feel drained. You know, it's only only normal. So my question is, how much how much of a beating is he going to be able to take out there being a professional athlete for, you know, the entire season? Now, I mean, granted, he's obviously in good shape and whatever, but I mean, 
you know, nagging injuries do happen. Well, you know, he's in the best shape of his life. He's in the best shape of his career. <laughs> Thinking says, I really hope Vaughn isn't the new Larry. Yeah, no, I saw that. I was not going to address that, but <laughs> I don't even want to entertain sorry, that thought. Sorry. That was, that's uh, that's off. I've been, you know, I, I will say though, like, you know, between, uh, you know, Josh Nelson Ooh, and, and Beef Loaf and, one. you know, all these other guys, they've been hammering on Andrew Vaughn, you know, whether it's talking about his height or not, you know, not believing that he can put together a, uh, a full season and everything. And, you know, like I can't, I can't help, but, you know, at least somewhat agree and, uh, you know, voice some concern about that kind of stuff. Um, but I will say, you know, like if you watch the first half of last year showed a lot of promise, but like I was mentioning about Elvis Andrus is, you know, after a certain amount of time, you have to start wearing down, you know, that's why guys did roids. Because then they didn't have the problems recharging, um, but now they're not taking them. Uh, assumed, um, so uh, I was going to thank you for saying that because I'm sure somebody's figured out a way. Somebody's figured out something, um, but you know, I mean, like uh, you know, I'm hoping that Andrew Vaughn doesn't have you know this wear down issue again this year, and he can finally put together a full season and not have like a one and a half month slump. Yeah, well, my hope, too, is that, you know, he's also not continually learning how to play a new position because, you know, I mean, we heard it again. You know, he played outfield in 21, and now he was playing outfield again in 22. And we heard during the 22 season that he was still learning and still picking up things and still, you know, trying to better his routes and this, that, and the other thing. And if that's the case, you know, it sounds like the guy's got a lot on his mind and now he's going back to his natural position and hopefully that kind of clears up some things. And, you know, we talked about muscle memory with pitchers. You know, you kind of hope that muscle memory as a position player and that that clear head and, you know, not feeling the pressure of uh, trying to do things that you really aren't made to do. Kind of hope that, you know, maybe some of that, finds it a, a a clearing moment for his bat as well. Yeah. You know, and he, I don't know, but it remains to be seen. I also have questions about that, but I think if you try to compare him to Jose Abreu, that's just a futile thought to begin with. You know, yeah. you, you can't, you're talking about one of the best first base on a baseball over the last 10 years. And to compare Andrew Vaughn in his, you know, third season as a regular this year to Jose Abreu, you're you're gonna you're gonna be disappointed. So we have to hope that Oscar Colas does some things out there in right field to make up for some Andrew or you know for some of Jose Abreu being missing. You got to hope that Andrew Benintendi does some things with the bat to make up for, you know, some of that lost production. And then, you know, of course, Andrew Vaughn hopefully settles in and, and does his thing at first base. But you're, there's no replacing as Jose Abreu. And I feel like that meeting in Moneyball, the beginning of the season, we're not replacing Giambi. We're, we're taking three guys to replace his numbers. Yeah. So, yeah, thinking about it that way is like probably, <laughs> Excuse me. probably more the way to do it. Um, 
Yeah, and Cheese brings up that he also totally skipped, you know, double uh, A AA and triple A. And, you know, we had this talk many a time on, on the podcast slash stream here that, you know, I was, we were both not feeling him just jumping in at DH at the major league level without going to at least Charlotte to get some reps in and uh, see some more top end talent. And I mean, you know, he did prove that he had that, you know, that he does have a, the, you know, a major league ready elite bat in short bursts. And what right. we need is for him to, uh, you know, put an entire season together. But I mean, you know, expecting him to go from, you know, playing 80 games his rookie season, you know, in, uh, uh, was it, uh, Kannapolis and, you know, Winston-Salem, and then expecting him to be able to immediately, you know, you get the COVID year where he's playing in Schaumburg. Right. He was the on the taxi year, squad. And that, I mean, that's something. Playing on that taxi squad, he did face some, something, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it, you, I know it's not the same as, you know, facing double A and triple A pitching for an entire season, but, you know, every major leaguer lost a chunk of that year. You know what I mean? So does it put him a little bit behind in his development? Maybe, but he also faced some guys who were either former major league pitchers uh, or guys who were going to be, and were on that roster at some point during that season. So, I mean, he did get some of that developmental time when he was on the taxi squad. But again, you know, like you said, it was a 60 game season. Didn't really get that long period and, you know, didn't get the same kind of wear like we've been talking about the last few minutes here where, you you know, you you, you get that little bit of a breakdown. The body gets tired a little bit, you know. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you, sorry, I don't mean to harp on that, okay. but I just want to I don't want to take away from what, you know, he did have some. Some work. Yeah, no, he's no. Yeah. I mean, well, Schaumburg, you know. Yeah. Yes. Um, speaking of Schaumburg, uh, one of his uh, fellow cohorts that uh, that did a little bit of work over in Schaumburg, uh, Garrett Crochet coming back from TJ this year. Uh, he's got his rehab stuff going on. He's been thrown off of a mound and they're saying that he is going to be possibly in a rehab assignment in the minors in April and should be back by late May up to the big league club. So, you know, that's, that's a, that's a boost for, you know, getting another well, and that's all best back. case scenario too it is you know? it is but i mean you know you figure if he's already throwing off of the mound and already you know he's throwing sliders he's throwing you know he's throwing pitches with movement already so if he's already at that point and he says his command's good um just like with geo i want to see what the velo looks like because right. if Geo's back out there throwing 92 again. I don't think yeah, that that's necessarily going. Like. Yeah, I mean, if if he comes back out like he was last year and is throwing like 92, 93 miles an hour, and if Garrett Don't Crochet comes back and is throwing 95 miles an hour, I don't think that that's going to necessarily work. No. You know, that's been talked about a lot on this this pod slash stream a lot too. You know, uh, the difference between 96 Garrett Crochet and 103 Garrett Crochet is. Uh, light years absolute light years and we saw it we saw guys touch him up a few times and his command really wasn't bad his command was about the same as it was when the velo was there 
You know, he hit spots the same way. He just didn't, he wasn't throwing the ball past anybody. They were tattooing that. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, if he comes back and doesn't have, you know, that elite velo again, you know, everybody, every single Sox fan had an argument with their best friend about whether or not Garrett Crochet was pulling back and not throwing as hard because he was trying to conserve his arm or because the White Sox told him not to throw as fast. Just like, you know, we've had the same conversation about Kopech. Are they telling him to throw less fast or is he throwing less fast because he wants to and he thinks that it's going to help his durability throughout the year? You know, and, um, you know, speaking of another injury, um, you know, Kopech Mm -hmm. coming back from knee surgery and, um, you know, they're saying – now they're saying that they think that he's going to be ready for opening day. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where that whole thing goes. Um, you know, need a big year out of him. Uh, Thankins drops the uh, Cease emote in chat. You know, we at least need, uh, you know, not, you know, I'm not saying that the White Sox necessarily need to have that kind of production out of Cease this upcoming year. I mean, it certainly would be nice to have a bona fide stopper ace on the team, you know? So, I mean, we'll see where, uh, you know, like what Cease looks like. But um, he's not doing WBC because he wants to uh, pitch for the White Sox. So we'll see. Um, Grimtall's going on a going on a rant here about Eloy, season hinging on Eloy. And, on Eloy. Sox need a bunch of gap hitters. Hard hit liners turn into homers. I'd rather watch him get to gap rather than the Sox standard of homer strikeout guys. Well, I mean, that's the thing about Eloy. You know, if if he's right, he's just hitting line drives all over the place. Some of them go out. Yeah. But, you know, and like I fully expect, you know, if he if you know if he's healthy. You know, which is always the question with every single guy on this team in the last couple of years. But if he's healthy, I don't see any reason why he can't run into 35. And if he really gets going, I don't see why it can't be 40 plus, even right. with, you I'm know, with the dead you. baseball. Him, I, you know what? Him and I think Luis has got that same kind of potential when he's going good. Both of them can hit those towering monster shots, but they can spray it all over too. Yep. Yeah, I'm interested to see. Uh, you know, I saw some swings from uh, on Twitter of uh, Luis Robert today, and uh, if you did not see them, you will be pleased to know that they were two-handed swings, <laughs> and uh, they were swings with ill intent for a baseball. So that was beautiful to see. Um, hopefully, we won't have to see any more of that uh, those ugly one-handed swings like we saw last year. That was brutal. Yeah, I need somebody to do the, uh, you know, no, no marbles, <laughs> no marbles, huevos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Um, really, you know, we got uh, what we got uh, like a, about a week until uh, until we start seeing games on TV. Well, it's, uh, I don't know, five, six days until we start seeing Games on TV. Did you happen to see yeah. how many White Sox spring training games are being televised this year? I have not had a chance to look at that schedule yet, but I heard it was not good. It's like five. Yeah. Five or six or something like that. 
Like not uh, th- that's including split squads and the whole nine. Yeah, I was. I that's was, awful. I was thinking that it seemed a little bit light, but you know, I I didn't look to see how many are webcasts. I haven't looked at that schedule yet, um, but I need to do that to figure out exactly how much of this I'm going to be able to consume. I would like it to be a lot, but I kind of figure that. Uh, you know, maybe about 50% of the games because, you know, I assume, okay. you know, there'll be some webcasts, but I'll have to take a look, you know, and I'll bring it up here while we're chit-chatting. Yeah, you know, uh, you mentioned that, and that's kind of disappointing because I haven't seen that. And quietly, you know, I'm just, I don't want to jinx us, and I know we got this crazy weather system that's supposed to be coming through tomorrow, but, you know, this mild winter that we've been having, uh, I've been kind of feeling like, maybe we're going to stay lucky. There's that part of me that goes, nah, we're probably going to get nailed in March sometime. And you get that two footer that, uh, that melts off in like a week. But, you know, quietly I've been, I've been really pining to get that TV hung up outside again. And, uh, you know, just hope that we get a couple of those spring days where I can, you know, even if it's a day or two where you get that one day where it just creeps up into the seventies, you know, sandwiched between two 35-degree days, you know what I mean? You get that one day in the 70s where everybody's you got to get out and get the grill fired up and hope to God that there's a White Sox game on TV. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't have anything outside, and I'm kind of, well, not here at work. I've got way too many TVs outside. But, um, yeah, we haven't done that here, and I guess that's probably probably a good thing. Um, let's see how many we got here. We've got spring training. Wow. Um, I'm not liking the look on your face right now. Oh, it's a, you know what? It says socks feed. So I have to assume. I don't know. This is really. So you've got a list that says you've got one column that says Sox TV, you've got one one that says Sox Radio, and then the other one says Sox Feed. So I would assume that the Sox Feed is, streaming is a streaming feed. I would, I mean, I would think. I mean, realistically, you know, even if you don't put broadcasters on there, people will still watch it. They don't care whether there's an announcer. Absolutely. On there or not. Um, so you know, you throw on. You know, you just keep your, you know, your technical director on staff so he can change camera angles. You know, I mean, then you don't even you don't even need camera guys. Long and it's, there's uh the um who is it? Uh, there's a one team in advanced A. I'm trying to remember who it is, but they've got no announcer, and you only get one camera angle. And I still watched all of it. You know, it was like in the middle of uh, Colson Montgomery's uh, 50 game on base streak. So, you know, I was doing my thing. And no, it's, it's like, it's no different than sitting in the stands. Yep. I mean, you know, we don't, who do you get in the stands? You get Gene Honda, you know, while you're sitting in the stands. And uh, when Gene Honda's not talking, you get like the spirit team talking to you about, uh, you know, whatever t shirt giveaway they're doing or, you know, whatever Chevy commercial they're pitching, you know, this week. (laughs) 
But, you know, I mean, it's it's like sitting in the stands. I just want to see some baseball, man. Yeah, I mean, they've got mics in the ground, so you hear, like, stuff that's going on down on, you know, down on the on the field, which we've also talked about this on the podcast. White Sox, when they used to – actually, not White Sox specifically, but MLB um, back – Quite a few years ago, when they would do their condensed game oh, highlights at the end of the at the end of the game, that would you know basically just take the plays that mattered, you know whether it be like a, a strikeout or a walk or a hit or an out, they would have all that stuff condensed into a game, and you'd have like a ten minute game. The best thing about that was they had crowd mics and field mics on. No announcers. So when something happened on the field, you would hear the displeasure from the players. And it was <laughs> fantastic to be able to hear like yeah. just the raw emotion that was going on <gasps> during the game. God, and then I think they did it for two seasons, and then they stopped doing it, and they put the announcers on. And I was like, man, that just ruined it. Uh, Grimtall. So you know who it is. It is the Aberdeen Ironbirds is the team that does no announcer. And so if you watch one of their minor league games, Advanced Day, you will hear no commentary, and it's pretty awesome. Um, Cheese Rock says, you guys checked out any of the Savannah Bananas game streams. I saw, uh, I got an email the other day that they were doing uh, a live stream, and I didn't get a chance to watch it because it was. I think it was on Friday night, and I wanted to watch it, but I did not. Um I do have uh I did put my name in on the uh the list for the Savannah Bananas because they are playing up in Milwaukee later on this year. No kidding. Yeah. So I put myself on a wait list uh for tickets, so we'll see if they become available because that's that I mean you want I mean yes. Entertaining. It's lower sure. quality baseball, but the entertainment factor is Awesome. And I, w- I don't know if I would even call it, 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 it's lower quality, but I don't know if I would call it low quality because. Lower, is, yeah. That's, right. I did not it's, mean it's to slag them. Strange. No, no, no. No, you did. You you said it, but uh, I, I feel like as fun as these guys try to be and all the little trick plays and all the little different things that they do to make things interesting. These guys are still real ball players, and they they can they can play some ball, you know. Uh, I am a subscriber to the Savannah Bananas YouTube channel, and I thoroughly enjoy what they do. You know, like I like watching catchers try to gun die, you know gun base runners down or would be base stealers down by throwing the ball from behind the back and through the legs to second base. You know what I mean? That type of thing. Or the little dances they do when the pitchers go up into the windup. Fantastic stuff, man. Or a starting pitcher on 15-foot-high stilts. <laughs> right. I yeah, mean, totally funny. Come on. It's it's a good time. Did you uh, did you happen to catch any of the XFL pushers asking if uh, any of us, if either of us checked out the XFL uh, opening weekend games? Uh, I did not. You know, and like I said, I hate to keep using the same excuse, but, man, it was 14, 15 hour days are Hell yeah. the butt enough. kickers, man. My knees, I felt like my knees were sold up to the size of basketballs. And I, there were times I think I couldn't feel my toes, but the rest of my foot hurt. 
So, you know. <laughs> yeah, Grimtall brings up the uh, the Portland Pickles as their their Twitter account is worth a follow. They're another one of those uh, you know independent baseball teams, and they are their their Twitters. It's good. It's funny. I, um, I did not know of that one. I will go ahead and give that a sub for a follow. There was a lemon party, and I saw a player get punched in the balls. Well, I mean, if that's not uh, that's entertainment right there. You know, I don't know what it is. All of us guys have balls, and nobody likes to get hit in them. But watching somebody else get hit in them is like the best thing in the world. You know, you <laughs> want to talk about entertainment? That's entertaining. <laughs> did uh, did did the Rock buy the XFL? Indeed. Okay, that's. I was just making sure it was it was the XFL and not the USFL. I couldn't remember which one he bought. I knew he bought one of them. I just wasn't sure which one it was. So, um, you got anything on uh, anything important you got to get off your chest about the White Sox before we uh, fire open this box over here? Um, uh, not really. Um, you know, I want. I do want to say you put out a or you retweeted somebody else's uh, tweet in the last day or two on, uh, you know, like four bullet points on what a club should oh, or should be doing. Yeah. Kyle yeah. body from uh, driveline. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about that at all? Yeah. We can talk about I that. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Let me go. Can, pull, ahead can you pull and... that tweet up? Yeah, I'm going to bring it up. Give me one second here. Yeah, pull that up and put it on screen. I just want to take, you know, we don't have to spend all night, and I just want to take two or three minutes, let the chat see that if they hadn't already, and, you know, hopefully. Because I just felt like that tweet was directed right smack dab, targeted on the White Sox. It kind of felt that way, didn't it? Uh, you know, it like, did. that's why I retweeted it, because like, hey, I was punch. like, man, that feels like I... I f- I feel seen here, you know? <laughs> right. And that's the only reason I want to bring it up, because it was like, that ain't us. If that ain't the Southsiders, yeah. I don't know who he's talking about. Yeah, it felt, it, I, felt, I felt pretty awful after seeing it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it felt that. like an indictment on TLR more than anything. And, uh, you know, we hope that the, uh, the direction of the White Sox, the change in direction of the White Sox over the offseason here is, you know, enough to uh get moving in the right direction but wow it just it just felt really pointed and pointed right in our direction yeah it was tough i i will agree with you um so stay tuned hang on guys because i don't know i want to hear from the chat i want to know if you guys feel like you know am i wrong am i reading too far into this but when you see this and there wasn't a whole lot of comments in the thread that, you know, I was waiting for. I, I looked through the through the thread a little bit, and I was just looking for like some other team or some other fans of some other team to jump in there and be like, "Oh, that's totally us." Nope, nope. It was just it was nope. just us. Yeah, I I felt kind of, you know, like I didn't even. I mean, to be honest, you know, it's like, you know, we we follow the minor league guys. Uh, quite a bit, you know, and mm-hmm. we talked to some of them and like, I don't want to, you know, make any of them feel, you know, like we, like we don't enjoy what they do. Cause we do, uh, it's just, you know, the, the organization itself, 
Yeah, you know, like this this stuff hits. All right, so here's the here's the tweet. I'll go ahead and bring this up here. Oh, I you know, reading between the lines here. It, I mean, when you're talking about roster decisions over the last couple of years, we've had uh, Ricky Renteria and Tony Larusa at the helm, and. Uh, an organization that kind of just let them do their thing and didn't seem like there was a whole lot of uh, organizational positioning to make sure that these guys couldn't get in their own way. Does that make sense? Am I, am I off? Am I, you know, am I close? I kind of 100% felt that he was talking about the White Sox. And that was who it was pointed at. Even though, like, I have no idea why he would, you know, single out the White Sox in particular. Um, But, you know, the White Sox did have a couple of guys that were working uh, at driveline this year uh, in the offseason. But, I mean... I mean, I would like to think that it wasn't specific, specifically targeted at the White Sox, but oh, it sure felt that way though, didn't it? Yeah, it I really mean, did. there's no doubt. It like, <laughs> oh, hats off. Hold on. You know, all right. I knew somebody was going to start redeeming these churros. Yeah, and I probably should have been better prepared for this. I'm going to have to stack my hats. Yeah, you're going to have to get ready for that. So it's going to. I know we got. We got a few guys here that have been with us for a long time, and I know they've probably got like eight hundred thousand churros they need to redeem. So yeah, I've only got like seventy nine thousand churros to redeem. So, uh, and I don't have seventy nine hats, so I'm gonna have to work on that as well. I agree. <laughs> John Rudels, what are you doing here? Oh come on! I'm just gonna do the the carnival of wait. I'm not going to take them off. I'm just going to put them all on. <laughs> all right. So uh, thank you for everybody that came in to uh, hang out. Um, we're going to go ahead and end the podcast for, uh, portion of this right now. Um, so uh, whitesocksdaily.substack.com. You can find uh, written material in the podcast form. Uh, you can also find the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts um, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Uh, you can search us on Facebook and YouTube, and uh, the link's also in our bio here for the uh, for the YouTube channel and the uh, Facebook page. Uh, so, you know, feel free to look us up on those other mediums. Um, and uh, thanks for coming and hanging out. Uh, we are going to uh, open up a box of Heritage Minor League cards here, and uh, hopefully we'll get ourselves a, a nice auto. We'll see, though. All right, well thanks for thanks for coming and listening guys. Appreciate it. Bye.